from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Welcome to the GoodAtheist.net bonus podcast. My name is Jacob Fortan. And I'm Ryan Harkness. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about a, t- a topic that is, uh, let's just say, a little bit dated. But I decided that to talk about this for a couple reasons. Number one, um, every once in a while, I get an email from people asking me to review the movie Zitgeist. Do you remember that movie? I hear about it quite a bit, but I have never actually sat down and watched it. Okay. Well... Part of the movie, like the movie's a three-parter. The first part is on religion, the second part is on 9-11, and the third part is on the Federal Reserve. Um, and sometimes people are like, oh, you gotta, t- you got to talk about this movie, it's so awesome, blah, blah. So I don't want to dissect the whole movie because, number one, the whole Federal Reserve thing it does not interest me. It has nothing to do with the podcast. And the first part uh, is going to be a, it's an entirely different show, but I actually want to do it on conspiracy theories. Specifically, today we're going to be talking about uh, 9-11 so it's a little bit old and dated. This is this is a show that should have probably uh, come up uh, probably three years ago, <laughs> probably one of our first shows, uh, especially since around that time, like this was the height of conspiracy theories. Unfortunately, we're really slow, and uh, and and that's what the show's going to be about. We're also going to be talking about how the Pope takes money away from starving people. But before we start, uh, I want you, Ryan, to explain to me the situation so that we can be somewhat relevant and timely. I want you to just explain to me what the fuck is happening in Egypt. Can, do you know what's happening there? Because I'm confused. Yeah. Well, basically, I, I've been sick for the past three days, and it started out. It started out nothing big, but now it's it's one of those sicknesses that starts out where you're a little bit sick and you're almost glad that you're sick because it gives you an excuse to to relax and and for a little bit but now it's evolved into a full-blown sickness where you're just like dear god just let me go back to work it hurts so bad (laughs) but basically what i've been doing um to pass the time when i actually get onto the internet other than you know try and try and do a little bit of blogging stuff is keeping up with what's been going on in egypt and uh, for the last week and a half, it's been kind of crazy. They're they're demanding the removal of uh, of their dictator-like leader. And uh, here here's the sad part: I don't think he's going to go. Or if he does end up going, what replaces him is going to be pretty much exactly the same as what they have now, or potentially scarier. Maybe some people were saying. Ah, uh, well, there's this whole thing about the Muslim Brotherhood, and of course, as soon as you hear that, that sounds like a fucking super villain organization, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, you'd think that there's this one guy that can shoot laser beams out of his eyes, another one that can read minds or something fucking crazy. Yeah, well, you know, everybody's afraid that if if uh, Mubarak and his fucking government go down, then the Muslim Brotherhood's going to sweep in and take everything over. And on one hand, you know, it's happened before in the Middle East. You know, uh, one regime goes down and all of a sudden you got a theocracy in its place. And that that's obviously kind of worrisome. But on the other hand, Egypt isn't. Egypt is pretty far along. And again, we look through history, we see Iran, and we remember when that place used to be pretty uh, fucking liberal. And, and we see how it is now. Or at least we see how the government is now. There's a huge difference between how the government is and how the people are. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit concerning in that way. I think that uh, what's really funny is. Every time there's been a, uh, a government that collapses in the Middle East, if that government was s- 
supported by any Western powers, that's usually when you have sort of like that crazy reversal. So it what 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 I'm afraid of is 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 America or other Western nations supporting this current dictator because they're like, well, he's all, he's a hardliner against the religious people, so we think that's a really good uh, good to support. And you're like, no. No, no, no. Supporting any dictator is a disaster. It always blows up in your face. It's like, it, it's not that whole, that whole, it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't. No, it's not. It is definitely not. Whoever said that is a fucking idiot and an asshole. Like, I actually think that at least from all the reverberations that I saw, even a couple of videos on the internet where people are saying like, we don't care if you're a Muslim or atheist, we want our freedom. And it's like, all this, it's very youthful movement. It's like people want rights and, and I'm like, look what's happening. This is good. This is the kind of thing that you need to support. It's like in Tunisia, right? At the same time, they're having a bit of a fucking meltdown because women there want rights, and they're like, we're tired of being second-class citizens. That's fucking awesome. You're not going to notice a resurgence of theocracy if people agree, if it's a popular movement towards that. It's not like, oh, yeah, let's give women, uh, women rights, and then let's in, uh, institute Sharia law. What? No. It's not how it works. Yeah, it's pretty... Uh it, it's pretty wacky the whole idea that people are saying that, that that they that they should support the the current regime because it's quote unquote America's friend and unfortunately that's kind of what happened what's what's been going on for what, like the last thirty years and it's kind of what's been going on during the protests because here's 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 the thing that pisses me off and here's the thing if you're if you're just reading regular newspapers you probably don't know you've been hearing about all those clashes between the uh the 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 pro democracy or the or the revolutionary protesters and then the pro uh mubarak people right well i i heard the, the last i heard was that they were sending in the army the well, army's been there for a while but the army's all good egyptian army is actually pretty cool they refuse to uh they they, they basically said they're going to refuse to fire at any of the civilians but on the other hand a couple of days ago they basically stood around while a bunch of pro mubarak supporters basically a bunch of bust in uh thugs came in and beat the shit out of the protesters for like an entire day and the army just kind of stood on the sidelines and did nothing so you know they're not going to fire at anybody or do anything like that but at the other hand if the government if they aren't getting orders to protect uh these people from the government's thugs then it's kind of a bad problem. And this is, this is what you're seeing in the American media is that everybody's talking about these pro-Mubarak, uh, quote-unquote supporters, and they are literally, they're, they're, they're not, the, the majority of these people, all of the ones that are basically going into Cairo Square attacking uh, the, the revolutionary protesters, they're just thugs. They're, they're organized by the government attacking these people, trying to put down the revolution. It's, and just by America not straight out saying this is what's going on because it's not like they don't know it's not like it's di difficult to figure out that what like 5,000 thugs were organized rounded up given machetes and whips and <laughs> horses and camels to go attack these well it's not like that's the kind of thing that the American government isn't going to be able to figure out that's what's going on but they refuse to say that it's anything other than pro-Mubarak supporters they're just getting a little bit uh, oh, that's just a little bit they're, they're, they've got fervor man they got fervor yeah they're really political yeah, these uh, these pro guys—they're very, very political. And by political, we mean violent. <laughs> so you think it's just going to be the the status quo is going to be maintained? So yeah, if 
if if Mubarak actually leaves, even if he does, uh, anybody that would replace him based on how it's supposed to be set up in Egypt is just one of his cronies anyways. And uh, it's very unlikely that there's going to be any serious change, unfortunately. That's, that's one of those problems. The system is already set up in such a way that... That change is difficult. The entire government, the entire setup for 30 years has been this guy setting it up exactly the way he wants. Do you think that there's some kind of magical system in place where all of a sudden this this one guy leaves power and the rest of that power system is not going to still be in place? This is this is this is an area that doesn't have any other political parties. Basically, it's like a one-party fucking state. <laughs> oh, they need they need some kind of revolutionary nation builder, some imaginative group of individuals that have a bold new vision for their country, and uh, and then I'm sure the thugs will try to kill them. Yeah, basically anybody like that is over over the past like you know 15 years has been arrested and tortured. Well, that's what you do. <clears throat> that's what you do. Okay, um, to, so let's 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 begin our uh, talk on conspiracy theories. The biggest reason why uh, I wanted to talk about this has a lot to do with the fact that uh, I am finally um, working on the book, and it's actually uh, starting to get a lot of traction. And it's getting real, it, folks. It's, it's getting, getting real. It's fucking real. And I, I did the most basic and simple thing I could possibly do, is I looked at some of the old stuff that I've been writing, because, I mean, uh, I've been writing uh, on the blog, say, on a regular basis for about three years now, since since 2000, beginning of 2009. Because before then, I actually think that you were pub- you were posting more than I was before then. What, um, on The Good Atheist? Yeah, yeah, actually, because I was, I was really going back, like, as far as I could in the archives, trying to find good articles that I, I thought, maybe maybe I could include this in the book, or at least, at the very least, it would start a, con- you know, it would start the conversation. Man, what the hell was what the hell was I talking about? Because that's my problem now. Is I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to say? I'm not an expert. I don't remember everything I read about atheism like you do. I'm basically like, uh, like information goes in, information goes out, and you catch me in a moment on a radio show where I have it, and then next week it might as well be somebody else saying this shit. I'm like, who is this person <laughs> with ideas and thoughts on this? Yeah, but that's that's perfect. That's perfect for blogging at the very least. I mean, you don't think that to some degree I've forgotten most of what I blogged about? I mean, sometimes I go back and read these articles. I'm like, wow, that's a good article. Who wrote that? Oh, I did. Wow. So I've been I've been taking all of those, and uh, and it turns out that there is a whole there was a huge amount that I had written about conspiracy theories because, as some of you may know, if you listen to the show, I used to believe in the uh, JFK assassination conspiracy theory when I was a younger man. I uh, I bought into the whole hype thing. You remember Oliver Stone's movie JFK? Yeah, yeah. I believe that shit. Never believe anything that involves uh, that that involves uh, what's the name of that guy who starred in it? Uh, oh, uh, it's uh, the the you mean the guy who was in uh, Waterworld? Yeah, exactly. Kevin Costner. There we go. Never trust anything with Kevin Costner. It's all a lie. Actually, do you know do you know how big the fucking cast was of that movie? It was huge. There was like every fucking Hollywood person you could possibly imagine. Joe Pesci was in it. Uh, fucking, well, I can't think of anybody else. But there was a huge cast. <laughs> oh, Tommy Lee Jones was in it. Uh, I don't know. It, if you go back and you watch that movie, there isn't one person whose career didn't at one time, uh, you know, sort of explode. Here we go. Uh, Gary Oldman, uh, Kevin Bacon, Jack Lemmon, Sissy Spacek, Walter Matthau, Donald Sutherland, uh... Those are, that's pretty much all the rest. I guess Vince uh, D'Onofrio uh, was in there, but he's not that big of a deal. Martin Sheen did some stuff involved in it. 
So there's a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of people. There was a big, there was a big cast. Let's just say it was a huge cast, and some lesser known guys that always appear in movies. Like remember the guy in uh, The Walking Dead, the one that cuts off his hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in that movie too. I don't know his name, but he's in a lot of movies. <laughs> he play he plays a, a shifty dude in pretty much every movie he plays. <laughs> he is a shifty dude. But regardless, um, I believed in that conspiracy, and I bought a book. It's actually still at your house. It's this book called Reclaiming History, which is a mammoth. It is, I think it's like something like 2,000 pages, and it doesn't even have, at the end of it, it doesn't have like a, a bibliography. That's on a CD. That's how big it is. Apparently, if, if the guy who wrote it would have included a bibliography, it would have added another like 500 pages. He spent like 11 years making this book, and I started reading it, um, and uh, I, I was writing about some of the stuff that he had discovered because it was, I mean, I didn't read the whole book. It, it is just way too massive. But regardless, it, it kind of made me feel doubly stupid to have believed in that conspiracy theory. So I wrote about the JFK one, which maybe one day we'll actually do a show about, but I, I don't want to go into, at least on this one. But I realized that there was a huge chunk that was missing, which was basically the 9-11 conspiracy. And that's part of what that Zitgeist movie is. So um, I, I want to talk about it because I decided that I was going to search for what are, what are the biggest claims that are out there. And even where do most of the claims come from? Because that's also sort of like the big thing. Here, here's something that most people don't know about 9-11 conspiracies is that most of the conspiracies actually originated from Europe rather than America. Because at least for the first couple of years after 9-11, I think everybody was still in shock. But there were lots of, America, uh, lots of Europeans who, uh, you know, not only distrust America, but probably downright hate them, including a Frenchman by the name of Thierry Messin. And he wrote a book called 9-11, The Big Lie, which is, which is the 9-11 conspiracy book out there. Everything else is sort of like a, kind of a, a pale imitation of this book. And he made a bunch of assertions about uh, 9-11, saying that the government had orchestrated it to manipulate world events, bin Laden was still working with the CIA, and that America had already planned to invade Afghanistan. We wanted their rocks. We wanted their $1 trillion worth of unminable rock. <laughs> you remember that whole thing there when they were like, oh, trillions of dollars in Afghanistan. I'm like, that report was from the fucking 1980s. Well, there's also uh, there, there's also the whole Afghanistan. They wanted like a pipeline or something like that. There was, there was, there was, there was various oil uh, considerations that were added in and, and so forth, which sounded more credible at the time. Well, they did, and you know what? I'm not going to deny the fact that the reason why I think that the book really took off is that some of the allegations were, I'm not going to say they were far-fetched, but it was, it was easy to believe in them, especially because they, there were talks to create a pipeline, um, but there were also sort of like uh, the, the Russians were competing with Americans um, to get, because there's a, there's a shitload of natural gas in Afghanistan, um, and, and obviously people wanted to get to it. But, I mean, at the same time, you, you have to remember that although something may sound plausible, like you can say... All right, there has to be a link here because the America wanted the pipeline, and the way the world events uh, ended up, America got it. But you have to kind of remember that th this is the essentially the, the problem with most conspiracy theories is that nothing ever works as planned. 
I think this is the part that most conspiracy theorists refuse to really believe. They give governments a lot more credit than I think they deserve. Remember when everyone was saying, well, Bush orchestrated 9-11, and a lot of people wanted to believe that. Specifically, actually, the, the reason why it got popular in America, because at first the Missiles book was, was mostly ignored, but by 2004... About a year after the invasion of Iraq, a lot of Americans were starting to be pretty fucking pissed off of the war in Iraq, mostly because everyone realized it had fucking nothing to do with 9-11, but also there were no fucking weapons of mass destruction found at all. So this fed really uh, strongly into the whole conspiracy theory uh, phenomenon, and everyone was saying, oh, well, the Bush administration, well, they must have orchestrated it. And I think the best response was like, you're talking about an administration that couldn't even fucking get Katrina right, and you're saying that they were they engineered the most perfect uh, conspiracy ever. You're like, I think that me thinks that perhaps you are giving them a little bit too much credit. Ah, but it wasn't perfect because some some clever clever people on the internet figured them out. Well, that's the whole thing about conspiracy theories, and I think that what you'll notice is that people who are really into conspiracy theories, and I'm, I'm sad to say that I have a family member who is really into them, like pretty hardcore. Uh, he, he's the guy who, uh, he's been spending most of his fortune buying gold, because he's absolutely convinced that, uh, you know, the world economy is going to fail, and that he's, in, he's been investing. Remember, like, how Glenn Beck was telling everybody to buy gold and shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. People who believe in conspiracy theories or that economies will fail, they always tell people to buy gold. And of course, guys like Glenn Beck have uh, large stock stocks in uh, gold companies. <laughs> so it's no coincidence. They're like, yeah, buy this thing that I have a significant amount of money invested in, and then you'll be safe. Yeah, because, you know, if there's no food, everyone's going to want gold for some reason. <laughs> Anyways, um,. But the reason why, uh, say, guys like my uncle and, and his ilk are really into conspiracy theories is, is you kind of pointed out there that there's something about them that makes a person feel like they've tapped into a piece of information that most people don't have. Remember that show, uh, The Lone Gunman, which was the spinoff of, uh, of The X-Files? Do you remember those guys? Uh, oh, yeah, the, those geeky weirdos. Yeah, the geeky weirdos. The geeky weirdos from the X-Files are three guys. I don't know if most of you... They were called the Lone Gunman, but they had a very short series that was almost immediately canceled <laughs> on X-Files. <laughs> I mean, on, on Fox. Uh, it did not last long. But nevertheless, they tried to build a TV show around these guys because, you know, there are, there are people that can identify with these um, uh, pale geeky, unable-to-get-a-girl guys that somehow uncover all of these supposed facts about world events, the, the people that can kind of put it all together, if you want. So, and, and when you don't have a lot of power in your own life, let's say my uncle is a, has a very menial job. It's, it's, it's not, I think he works in sheet metal. Um, but he was, he was always a bright guy. I mean, this is the first thing that uh, never underestimate the intelligence of a conspiracy theorist. It's not that they're stupid. It's that they have chosen to believe specifically in something and they're invested in it. And he's quite invested in most of his conspiracy theories. Uh, so he was a bright guy with a very, very menial job. In fact, so menial that I think that it, it, it pretty much made him feel very powerless. Uh, he, also he also married and had a child with a kind of monstrous land beast who was uh, just 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 
a pain in the ass. Like, I think everyone in the family hated this woman with a, with the fire of a thousand suns. I'm hoping that he, this, this, this uncle of yours, does not decide to check out your radio show, especially the one on conspiracy theories, you know what I mean? And then find out that he is the ilk that, uh, that you base everything off of with his menial job and his land monster wife. You're painting a pretty bleak photo, uh, painting here. Yeah, if well, you know, if he's he's also highly religious, so I doubt very strongly that he would listen to my show. He 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 believes in Jesus and and all this other kind of nonsense. And this is the bonus show, by the way, so he would actually have to pay for this, and I will never allow him to listen to this episode. <laughs> Fair enough. And if he does, if he does, you know what? Here's the thing. If you have a menial job and you married a an obvious well he didn't marry her but he he was he's divorced from her now which is great um it, everybody loves this fact she is no longer at family gatherings and nothing could be better but you know what if you have a problem and you're and you were a loser at some point in your life you must come to accept that no is it better to just lie to someone and be like oh we're so proud of you and the fact that you believe in nonsense i mean come on now he, he i'm not going to tell that to him in his face but i hope that some point in our lives when we're older men i can play him this and we can all have a good laugh although i don't really give that a high probability unfortunately but yes anyways so he probably feels very, very powerless. He he got it when when he got a computer, he started to do research. He went online and that kind of stuff. And this is typically uh, anybody who's who's who comes into the internet relatively late. I don't know if this is a, a, a too much of a generalization, but they t- they tend to kind of believe a little bit too much of what they read, without uh, enough kind of uh, what's I'm looking for skepticism. Yeah, enough skepticism. We'll say. And it's just because it's really difficult to be able to tell the difference between something that has a lot of evidence and 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 a good reputation and something that doesn't. Sometimes you know? you don't have that experience of knowing how to make the difference. You were not properly educated as to what don't you what do you trust and what don't you trust. And besides, even even once you start becoming more and more accustomed to the internet, and then start you know, understanding which which parts you can trust and not trust, you tend to have a, uh, you know, you have a tendency of still latching on to the same beliefs that you had. I mean, it took me a while to abandon my own conspiracy theories about JFK, because I won't lie to you, a part of me was a little bit embarrassed, probably at the halfway point, you know, when the, when, when holes started appearing in it, and I was like, this is, this is not easy to defend. Yeah, it, it really actually got kind of embarrassing, and uh, and I would get very very defensive. You'll notice this about people who are starting to lose their 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 belief systems. They start getting a little bit defensive. So, um, I, I and and here's the thing. I mean, I wish I could go back and just get me to stop believing that nonsense a little bit earlier. I almost regret having uh, you know spread it around. And you know me, I'm a very convincing fellow. I probably made a whole bunch of people believe in this bullshit. So I feel kind of bad. Hence the need to debunk conspiracy theories. Okay, let's start. I made a list of all of the 9-11 conspiracies that some say some some people will probably discuss with you uh, at one point. Because, I mean, the truthers or whatever they're called, they're out there. You will encounter them. And I'm going to give you a list of probably the, the, the biggest arguments uh, that they have, and, and then I'm going to give you the tools to dissect them and essentially uh, spank them. 
So if if that's something you look forward to, then let's start let let's start with the first one. This one's going to be all over the place, but uh, let's start with Flight 93. Okay, that's the one that uh, that's the flight that uh, crashed in Pennsylvania. Uh, as you recall, uh, essentially the crew or not the crew, but uh, the passengers uh, revolted against the terrorists and they uh, they they crashed the plane. Victory question mark. Well, yeah, exactly. But the plane was supposed to crash in the White House. That was that was the general plan. And uh, actually, there's a movie I think called Flight 93. United 93. It's uh, it, it it was really good, but I had to stop watching it because uh, too real. Well, not too real. I mean, I I rewatched. I, I keep on talking about. There's a documentary out there called 103 Minutes that changed America. And if you oh yeah, you told me about yeah, this. I think I've talked about it on the radio show. If uh, that was too fucking real. Probably watch it again now that we have that new HD television because it's all in HD. So yeah, it's hyper real. It's 9/11 in hyper reality. <laughs> Anyways, I, I could take that, but but the whole dramatization of it and everything else like that, I just I, I had to turn it off. It was just it was uh, it was too much. It, 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 it was just kind of it, it's not the kind of thing that you want to watch an entertainment movie on. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so one of the one of the claims about this one is because most conspiracy theorists are actually convinced that the plane was destroyed in the air by uh, the United States military. And uh, and there's a couple there's a couple reasons. The first reason is that actually people reported seeing a white plane near the vicinity of the crash shortly after the plane went down. So they, you know, lots of conspiracy theorists will say, well, the plane was a military plane, and uh, some there 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 are some people that are very specific about it. They actually say that the person who shot down the the plane was a, a man by the name of uh, Rick Gibney, which some people claim was a major who had fired two Sidewinder missiles and destroyed the aircraft. And the reason they believe that is because uh, there are parts of the plane. That were far that were found far away from the crash site. Like for instance, one of the engines was found hundreds of yards away from the actual crash site. So they say, well, this is this is proof that it was uh, actually destroyed in the air. Uh, and they also claim that there were there was debris that was found near Indian Lake, which is a um, which was which they say was about six miles away from the crash site. So it was, and and it was upwind. Of of it, so that there's no way the debris would have been able to find its way to the lake, uh, had it not been destroyed in midair. Okay, so that's 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 one of the first claims about, or actually we'll say two claims about it. One is that there was a pilot that had shot it down, and they named the pilot. And two is saying, well, the debris, including the engine and other pieces, were found way too far away from the crash site. So decent quote unquote evidence. I mean I, I like the added touch that they that they know who shot it and what kind of missile it was and la di da. Right. So, okay, so that when when somebody presents you these these quote unquote facts and this is the tough part, right? When you're not very well versed in these kinds of things cuz conspiracy theorists will memorize very precise information, bombard you with it and when you don't provide the uh, you know counter to this, they'll say, "Well, there you go." And th- oftentimes, uh, you know, you'll begin to doubt yourself when you don't have answers to this question or these kinds of questions. But let me give you the answers. The first answer is that um, the plane crashed at roughly about 500 miles per hour. So if you're not American, that's, uh, that's a little over 1,000 kilometers an hour. And obviously, anything that crashes, um, there'll be pieces that will be tumbling away, right? They'll just 
roll and that kind of stuff. If you've ever, um, you know, dropped a coin, sometimes, you know, you'll see how far away it'll roll. It can go pretty damn far. Uh, and that's just you dropping something. One of the last shows that we did, the cat was meowing, and uh, I threw a chocolate uh, Easter egg, not at the cat, but at the wall near the cat, and I was amazed because when I went to look for it, it wasn't in the room, it wasn't down the hall, it was all the way on the other side of the living room. It was like across the house. <laughs> right. Just just wanted to share some real life physics yeah, there yeah. involving the cat somehow. Uh, slash 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 animal cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, anybody that will you know that that that's ever experienced any kind of high speed crash will tell you. You know, if it's a car or anything else, we'll tell you. Sometimes debris can get really, really far, and it's just because of the way that, uh, you know, that it tumbles. It'll spend time in the air. Sometimes there won't be a lot of friction whatever. So in terms of the engines being far away from the crash site, it's not unusual for, you know, debris to find itself pretty far. Now, the Indian Lake claim, saying that it was six miles away, the actual distance of the crash site from the lake was actually 1.5 miles so you know right away you 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 see oh they're distorting the facts right this is a this is a huge distortion in terms of distance it's almost like you know three and a half times or more the actual distance of it and when they claim that it was upwind you need to work on your math buddy look i'm just trying to do fast math okay give me a fucking break the point is um they also say that oh well the 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 winds were uh you know southeast when in actual fact the winds were northwest that was towards the lake and the the lake being as close as it was, it 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 is completely and utterly understandable why pieces of debris, specifically small pieces of aluminum, which uh, tend to have uh, you know not quite a, not that much weight and can be blown away, can find their way in the lake. Now, when it came, when it comes to the actual pilot, the major Rick Gibney, um, Gibney is actually a lieutenant colonel, which is above major. So, I mean, conspiracy theorists are nothing if thorough in their research um, and at the time of the crash he was actually flying uh, from uh, I, I believe it was from Montana to New York actually after the, yeah from for, at, at the time the Pennsylvania aircraft crashed he was flying from Montana to New York specifically to pick up a passenger by the Ned, by the name of Ed Jacoby Jr. who was the director of the New York State Emergency Management Office and he was basically there to pick him up to help coordinate efforts in New York. So he was nowhere near Pennsylvania at the time. He was he had a passenger on. And in fact, that passenger, because although Gibney has refused to answer statements regarding this, uh, Jacoby has said that he not only does he feel uh, some degree of, of anger, but he also he said that he, he was kind of he was generally disgusted at the fact that this story was being propagated and taking its fact. And he's like, I was in the fucking plane myself. We were nowhere near this site, and he did not fire any missiles. But, of course, you, you need a person, right? So you just fucking pick someone who was in the air at the time. They were like, oh, this man was in a plane at the time. He must have shot this plane down. Well, he was there to pick up someone who was, who was on their way to coordinate relief efforts in New York. That's that's what that man was doing. So anybody who tells you these two or three facts is fucking full of shit. Okay, that's that's that that essentially covers the crash in Pennsylvania. Let's move on towards uh, some of the actual questions in regards to the destructions of the building. Now you've probably heard this, people saying, well, there's no way that the towers could have collapsed. Um, and one of the reasons that people cite is that the melting point of steel 
is about 220 degrees Fahrenheit. And jet fuel uh, only burns at around 1,000 to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. So people were saying that it was impossible for the steel to have melted and therefore for the building to have collapsed. This is one point. Okay, the problem with this view is that you don't need the steel to turn into liquid for a building to come down. And I think it should be obvious as to why, right? Do you, do you really need the, 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 do you really think that the structural integrity of the building requires the steel that holds it up to turn to a liquid? I mean, most firefighters who have taken out fires in buildings at a lower temperature have said that um, steel will begin to warp and bend even at half its, uh, you know, melting point. And by, because even though jet fuel only burns at about 1,500 degrees, there were other flammable materials in the building, uh, you know, office, uh, you know, sort of like furniture, insulation. The entire building was on fire. <laughs> two jets, uh, two fucking jumbo planes fucking flew into the building and hit them. These people nitpicking over the temperature, the burning temperature of jet fuel are morons. Planes flew into the buildings. Right. They fell over as a result. It doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. Well, it seems far-fetched to some people when they want to just try to nitpick and say, well, the, the melting point is 2,200. And, and they seem to think that until that temperature, steel maintains uh, you know, a sort of rigidness. Uh, and some estimates as to the, 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 the actual temperature of the fire place it to about 1,900 degrees. So it's not even really that far from the melting point of it. Um, and speaking of that, there was actually some people that were saying, I don't know if you saw some pictures, and you'll see these pictures in a lot of conspiracy theory sites, where below the floors that were on fire, there seemed to have been some kind of like discharges, like explosions on the floors below. And some people say, well, that ejected material is proof that there had been ex demolitions or explosions that had gone off. Now, the reason why that actually some of those floors explode where there is absolutely no fire has something to do with what's called pancaking. All right, that's when, if you imagine a sort of like fairly large building that's beginning to descend, the floors below, I mean, even though the, your room looks empty, it's filled with air, okay? And air has a certain mass, if you will. Now, if, you're, if the room that you were in was suddenly to collapse, the air that's there is, is being essentially squeezed. And what will happen is that, you know, any sort of like more fragile material, let's say like windows, um, will be broken as that air tries to escape and essentially eject itself. So that's what happens. That's the process called pancaking. Uh, and as essentially as those sort of quote-unquote demolitions were going off, this was as the floors were beginning to collapse. So if you can imagine how many tons of weight was coming down, essentially squashing all the floors below and, and ejecting all this air. That's the reason why you see some of the materials come right out. But because it looks curious, you know, because a lot of people, especially conspiracy theorists, have no real understanding of physics or engineering, this is, something, this is one of the examples of the things that they'll cite as saying, well, it must have been demolitions. I think you're starting to see a pattern here, right? Where a person sees something and then they just automatically assume that it must mean something else? Yeah. I remember one, one part that uh, people were mentioning was the fact that some of the pictures showed uh, a bulge in, in the fuselage of one of the planes. And people were saying, like, oh, it must have been some kind of bomb or extra materials or something. I'm not, I'm not shitting you here. There's, like, some people were literally saying this. 
But the problem is that on the same on the same picture frame, you see plenty of light distortion. And yet this is the one place where obviously distortion is happening where someone is going to point and say, look at that distortion over there. I think that's a bulge. And you're like, this is a tiny photo that's been blown up like 2,000 times. Do you think this is like CSI bullshit where you're able to sort of zoom in and there's no loss in terms of integrity of the image? I mean, really, come on. I'm also assuming that the plane was going, you know, at least a little bit fast when it hit the building. Might uh, might cause a little bit more distortion as well. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on the camera, but that's not even the point. Uh, the, the point is that just generally anyone who wants to try to find some kind of inconsistency or or strangeness can probably find some, but... You, you have to understand that even in, in, in the case that we were talking about with the, the, the melting point of, of, say, steel and what happens when you crash a building into it, we don't have a lot of data as to what happens when that occurs. It's not like, you know, people make tests and, and say, like, well, we found out what happens when a plane crashes into a building. No, sometimes, even though you have a really good idea of what the physics might be, it could surprise you in some ways. Like, one of the things that happened, and this was also something that people uh, commented on, was that it, it appeared that some of the lower lower floors, even up to the, the first floor, flames were coming out of it, and nobody really could understand why. Some people were saying, like, oh, this is just further proof of explosions. But what happened is that at really high temperatures, the fuel had begun to sort of borrow its way through the building, and especially through the elevator shafts, and had found and, and basically gone all the way down, and even some uh, firefighters, and in fact, one French filmmaker who was there and filming some scenes had avoided filming some of the some of those um, images because people were basically running out of the building on fire as the elevator doors opened and basically fire spewed out. You know, like that scene in the ma- in the second Matrix movie. Uh, what were they? remember that where they dropped that bomb when they're when they're trying to? Oh no, it's the first one. Sorry, when they're rescuing uh, Morpheus. Yeah, no- nothing nothing good happens in the second. What? Well, well, actually, okay, the, the highway scene was kind of. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. You got to admit, just give it that at least that one scene. But anyways, that 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 one scene where they explode the building and fire comes out. Well, that's what was happening. <laughs> fire was spewing out, and uh, it, so a lot of weird things happen when just really complicated physics are are, are being involved. Just unknown elements that you might not even think about. You're saying like, well, what occurs when a you know, when, when when a plane full of burning fuel smashes into a building, well, the answer is it could be a whole bunch of different things. We don't know. Physics is really fucking complicated. Even if, even if the at at its base it can be understood by by probably a series of, of formulas, real life, the real world, is much much more complicated than that. Okay, here's another one that uh, people cite. You'll hear this one all the fucking time. One of the World Trade Center buildings, number seven collapsed a couple hours after the other buildings did. And uh, some people will cite saying, like, well, the building looked fine. There was nothing going on. It must have been uh, sort of like planned demolition, which brought it, you know, which, which collapsed it, which, you know, obviously brings, you to, brings up to mind, like, why? Why would they collapse this one? <laughs> There's no fucking reason. But the actual, what actually happened uh, to building number seven is is well known now. It wasn't it wasn't for the longest time because I mean when you're reconstructing the, the 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 picture of what happened, these buildings are collapsed, right? You have to walk in in a pile of rubble and figure out what the fuck happened. So it takes a while. 
But the best that they can figure is that when one of the towers fell, I think it's the, which one had the antenna? I don't even remember. But when it fell, basically the antenna portion cut right through the south face of the building. And apparently the way that the building had been constructed is that the beams were arranged in kind of like a T-shaped. Um, so the, the, the load-bearing of, of the structure was a little bit unusual. In fact, some people say kind of crummy. So when the, the, the north face, or the, sorry, the south face of the building was essentially ripped right off, and this sort of antenna sort of cut through it like a knife, combined with a bunch of fires that were actually happening within the building, because um, like most office buildings, they have diesel generators that'll, you know, that, 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 that kick in when power stops. Well, apparently there was a bunch of diesel generators in the building, including one that was connected uh, throughout all the floors, and it provided a shitload of fuel for fire that raged for hours. So uh, kind of a similar thing happened to building number seven that happened to the World Trade Center. Um, significant damage to the load-bearing walls plus fire equals destruction. So it, the phenomenon of that building is actually relatively well known. Uh, you'd have to talk to engineers about it, and trust me when I say that it's exceedingly boring. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that the the building collapsed for very understandable physical reasons. They, you didn't need to fucking put some demolition into it. Let's recall that a giant building close to it had just collapsed. Is it really that hard to imagine that maybe other buildings around would probably go down too? I mean, come on. That's the best they can do? All right, let's... um. Let's talk about the Pentagon now. We'll move on from the uh, World Trade Center buildings. The, the, this is probably the one that the conspiracy theorists latch onto the most, and it's the most confusing one, in my opinion, because uh, it actually has photographic evidence that completely disproves most of the theories that are brought forward. But the one thing that people say is that when the plane crashed, it left a very, very or a fairly circular hole in the building, and they're like, well, why didn't it kind of create a plane-shaped hole? Now, right away, you're kind of probably saying to yourself, that sounds kind of silly, right? Is this the, the fucking coyote running through a wall or something like that where he leaves his outline? <laughs> it's like, obviously, a fucking plane that crashes into a reinforced building is not going to look exactly like the plane. And in fact, most of the engineers will tell you that when the plane crashed into the building, it behaved more like a liquid than it did a solid because of the temperature and the speed which it hit. So the hole that was made on one end, which I think was about 16 feet wide, and the hole that was made on the E-ring, which is I think something like 10 or 12, the hole on the other end was actually caused by the landing gear, which is, had essentially just tore right through everything and ejected itself at the E-ring. Uh, that explains in almost its entirety the reason why the, 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 the damage looked the way that it did. And some people were saying, well, there was no debris from the plane. There was no plane debris, so it must have been a missile. Um, there was this one guy, actually, he was one of the first engineers to arrive at the scene. His name was uh, Alan E. Uh, Kilshimer. And uh, he, one of his quotes, I'll read the quote, uh, in, in, in particular, because I think it's important to, to hear. He says, I saw the marks of the plane on the wing of the build, uh, on the face of the building. I picked up parts of the plane with the airline markings on them. I held in my hand the tail section of the plane and I found the black box. I held parts of uniforms from crew members in my hands, including body parts. Okay. <laughs> well, what, what's interesting about that one is, is it's kind of got a David Copperfield aspect to it because if it was a missile and not a plane, then a plane disappeared. And I don't 
think that is really the easiest way of going about uh, doing this. You know what I mean? Well, here's here's where some of the conspiracy theories really go f- so far out that I can't I can't actually disprove them to you because they're ludicrous. Where people are saying, well, the passengers were relocated somewhere else uh, and kidnapped away, uh, presumably like lost, like they must be on some island where they're trying to solve some mysteries or something like that as to why they're there. Um, there was even a group that had said that there were no Jews that had died, that all the Jews that worked at the World Trade Center had been warned beforehand of the attack. And as you can guess, the rumor was started by an Islamic or Lebanese TV station that has connections with Hezbollah. And uh, there's absolutely zero evidence to provide to, to, to show that that's true. There were over 400 Jews that were killed in that attack, which roughly corresponds to the percentage of Jews in the population that live in New York City. But it it doesn't stop anyone from actually just claiming it, and you can just, you can smell the anti-Semitism coming from that one conspiracy, can't you? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it kind of stinks of that shit. You're like, oh, uh, Jews were somehow warned in advance. What? what? Why? And, And it brings that really important question that if the passengers, if all the passengers had somehow disappeared, uh, were still alive somewhere, why would they not communicate with their family members? Why would they knowingly allow themselves to be part of this conspiracy? What gain would there be? Did they just show up with a buttload of money and be like, never talk to your family members again, and you will have this money that you can't spend or ever show your face in the world? The CIA obviously just gave them a bullet to the head, and that was that. It reminds me of this really cheesy science fiction movie starring Chris Christopherson, where these aliens, uh, no, these future humans were abducting people from the past that were, you know, in plane crashes because they wanted to repopulate the world and everybody was sterile. That theory is more plausible than thousands of people somehow being uh, whisked away and, uh, and, and the planes being replaced by missiles. And, and this is, here's what gets me. I'm so, I, I, in, in sort of conclusion, what gets me is that there's a real conspiracy in 9-11. Twelve men who were uh, Muslim extremists decided to conspire together to kill 3,000 Americans. We know how they did it. We know where they came from. All of the information is available. 9-11 is one of the most well-documented uh, incidents in the history of mankind. The only other thing that comes close is the assassination of JFK. It is that well documented. If you want to spend your life trying to figure that shit out, you can read all the reports you want. You'll probably spend 15 years uh, you know, just going through all the available information. I don't know why you'd want to do that. The information is already available, and every other fucking piece of so-called evidence against it is so weak that it's just it basically takes an afternoon to fucking dissect it. And the other thing, too, that really annoys me about conspiracy theories is the fact that in order for them to work, it's like the, the moon landing being a conspiracy theory, it would involve tens of thousands of people that would have to be knowingly participating in the deception. And if you've ever tried to keep a secret from someone, you know how hard it is to get human beings to shut their fucking mouths. It's like impossible. As soon as you have like more than 100 people involved in conspiracy, it's over. It's going to get fucking... It's going to see the light of day unless you manage to kill everyone. Uh, It's just that's the way that we work. We're not very good at keeping secrets. I mean, I know I'm not. I'm terrible at keeping secrets. No one should ever tell me a secret. And you're always able to kind of tell 
if you if you look through history, you can see the times where the American government has tried to keep secrets about stuff, and uh, stuff typically makes it to light, man. I mean, I'm sure there's obviously things we don't know, but uh, the bigger stuff, it's kind of hard to to lie about. It's well, yeah, exactly. And something and something involving so many people uh, with 9/11, engineers that that didn't work for the government but worked for other organizations, uh, you know, sort of um, firefighters, rescue workers, all of these people. Why would they all say the same story? They have nothing to gain from participating in conspiracy. I mean, just let's use a little bit of Occam's razor here, right, where the simpler explanation is probably the correct one. Why is it that it's so hard for people to believe the fact that a, 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 a group of Muslim extremists decided to kill, um, uh, you know, American citizens? And you know why they did it. <laughs> it's not even a mystery. But for some people who have a deep distrust of the government, this is a perfect way for them to express that mistrust. And I'm telling you, there are real conspiracies that exist out there. They're, they're, they're a lot less satisfying and a lot less sexy, but conspiracies can still happen. It's just, you know, Watergate was a conspiracy. And, and there's a lot of it that we still don't know. But the, the truth of the matter is, something like that is a lot less sexy than saying, oh, and a lot less satisfying for some people than say, the government conspired to kill 3,000 of its own citizens to justify uh, the war in the Middle East. Well, A, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, you know, the, the same way that lots of people believe that there was a conspiracy to, by, by the government uh, to allow... Pearl Harbor to happen in order to get the Americans to essentially go to war. And really, you didn't need to have a conspiracy. The Japanese already knew that America was going to be a problem in their expansionist uh, desires. They were going to go to war regardless. And even any reports that came back from the Pearl Harbor, even though there were some reports that said the Japanese are going to attack this, there were many reports that said this is not going to happen. It's like there's no way they're going to do this. So hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look at world events saying, like, oh, you should have known. You should have fucking known. And, 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 and though I'll admit that 9-11, the, the Bush government, had definitely a series of, of manifestos, well, not manifestos, but reports that indicated that bin Laden was definitely planning to attack, um, I would say probably government incompetence is more to blame than government supercompetence at creating this whole problem. It's like the Bush administration was never that clever. Case closed, man. Fucking case closed just from that. I mean, like, you really think they can do anything when the only thing they managed to do was fuck everything up? They fucked up the war in Iraq. They fucked up Katrina. They fucked up the economy. They fucked up everything they did. They could not have pulled this off. It's the simplest and most reasonable explanation. And that's all there is to it. Okay, I hope, I hope that gives you enough of a fucking some fodder. To, uh, to to put some CTers into their fucking place. Let's move on. Let's talk about one piece of news before we uh, end the show. And the only reason I want to talk about this is I don't want to elaborate on this, but I want everyone who either visits the site or uh, listens to the podcast to be aware of this because it fucking pisses me right off. Remember the Pope visiting the UK a couple months ago? Remember that? Yeah. Well, there was a huge uproar because basically the taxpayers had to shell out about 10 million pounds, which is roughly about 20 million dollars for us over here uh, on his visit but the one thing that just came out is that about two million pounds of that money that was spent to essentially pay for security and everything else like that came from the department for international development 
This is the same department that uses money to actually send over to developing countries as foreign aid. So in other words, the Pope took money from a department that helps developing countries to pay for his stupid fucking visit to England and Scotland in September. That's, that's what happened. So if you are in the UK right now, I want you to fucking petition your government to send these assholes the bill. Because why should you fucking pay for that? Especially in England where they're talking about cutting all these kinds of services because Europe is fucked up financially. So much so that essentially they're going to, like America, get uh, sprung out of debt by China. Which is a giant mistake, by the way. But how are you supposed to have a fucking balanced economy when you'd rather spend money on a guy who eats off golden plates and who has dresses, literal dresses, that are fucking embroidered with gems? You want to give him money to come over to your country to visit and to tell everyone else that they shouldn't fucking use condoms. This is what you're paying for. You should be fucking outraged. We'll end my outrage there. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we need to say more. Do you have anything to say about that? I agree. <laughs> well, thank you for agreeing. And you know what? I think we're going to wrap up the show that way. Um, I'd like to thank everybody that's a contributing member of the of the of the show. We're, I'm I'm hoping that I think I, I think we've solved the um, iTunes issue because the program that we use has had a recent update. And I think that the iTunes is going to be able to work with this new update, but we're going to be testing this later on uh, in the week. Hopefully, you'll no longer have to come to the site to download these shows, and they will basically update from your iTunes automatically. But we're going to find that out relatively soon. And you know what? I think that you and I may have been part of the reasons why they uh, updated their uh, software there, buddy. Yeah. You know, it's funny. This is the second uh, second piece of software that's been updated because I uh, complained. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think yeah. Uh, there was a there was another photo application that I was like, what the fuck? This thing is obviously broken. Doesn't allow people to install. And they were like, shit. And they released a new version. They never they never wrote me back. But a new version came out a week after I complained about it. Yeah. Well, uh, we're gonna find. Like I said, we're gonna find out. I've 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 already been testing it. It seems to work at least for some of the uh, the non bonus shows they would put, because uh, essentially when you log in as a paying member, you see an RSS feed on the side. You should be able to copy and paste that into iTunes, and it should automatically download the, the shows. And in fact, I've confirmed that if you don't use iTunes, but you use, say, Android for this, uh, to you know, if you log into Android on your phone and you put in that RSS feed, you can actually download the bonus shows automatically. But it, it hasn't been working for iTunes yet, which is what we're still trying to uh, either figure out or pressure the company that we bought this membership system to fucking solve. But, you know, being the technically retarded people that we are, we work at the speed of a, of a snail, of a, of a sloth that's drunk. Well, you know, we are two people, and we're trying to do everything ourselves. And quite frankly, I'm not that good at tech stuff. I just... I'm willing to spend the days it takes to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, and you're and and you're infinitely better than I am at that. That's uh, that is the saddest thing in the world. Saddest mm -hmm. fucking thing in the world. Okay, with that, my name is Jacob Fortan, and I'm Ryan Harkness. Have a good atheist day, everybody. <laughs>